Did you realize that some of your responses might be manufactured by the narcissist in your life? That some of the things that happen in your life for the emotions, the feelings that pop up, and what happens after that might be a scripted out, almost like plan from the other person? One of the things people don't realize is being with a toxic person, being with a narcissist, produces a lot of emotions that don't always inherently come from you. Not necessarily that you don't have these emotions, but that the other person is actually poking and prodding and pushing you to respond and react a certain way. So today we're going to touch into a little bit on the lines of reactive abuse, but mainly talking about this aspect of how narcissists manipulate your emotions and use them against you. Use them and twist them around. If while we're going through this, you start to resonate or you connect with a piece of this, leave a comment down below to let people know that they're not alone, that they're not alone in thinking that this is only happening to them, that this is only happening to you. Share this with someone as well. If you guys haven't already, like and subscribe to be able to hear more narcissistic content. And if you guys don't know who I am, my name is Ben Taylor. I am a self-aware narcissist on this channel to provide awareness about narcissistic abuse the founder of Raw Motivations, the creator of the NARC app, and your guide in the 45-day Clarity Challenge, you can access at claritychallenge.net to help break the rumination, the trauma bond, and ultimately get free mentally and emotionally from the toxic person. Well, today, one of the st- one of the books that we're going to be looking at that I've touched on a bunch is Psychopath Free. So I want to be able to bring that up. It's by McKenzie, uh, by Jackson McKenzie, and it gives you an idea. On the front cover, it says, Recovering from Emotionally Abusive Relationships with Narcissists, Sociopaths, and Other Toxic People. Uh, how he phrases it the majority of the time in the book is he just groups all of them together as psychopaths because that's easiest to be able to do versus saying all three of those things every single time. So if you hear psychopath, just know that it all is lumped together. Narcissist, sociopath psychopath he just has them all lumped together okay so going into this one section talking about manufactured emotions it says during a relationship with a psychopath you're likely to experience a range of emotions that you've never felt before extreme jealousy neediness rage anxiety paranoia after every outburst you constantly think to yourself if only i hadn't behaved that way then maybe they'd be happier with me do you resonate with that at all A lot of times people that I talk to think, if only I'd done something different, he would have stayed with me. Like if only I would have given him more sex, then he wouldn't have cheated on me. If only I would have tried harder in this way. If only I would have put up with more communication, more abuse, then maybe he would have changed. Maybe it's just going through a bad time, et cetera, et cetera. And we see this happen all the time. They'll start to play back in your mind thinking, if only, but, and you see what it goes on and says, if only I'd behave that way, then maybe they'd be happier with me. Think again. Those were not your emotions. I repeat, those were not your emotions. They were carefully manufactured by the psychopath in order to make you question your own good nature. Victims are often prone to believe that they can understand, forgive, and absorb all the problems in a relationship. Essentially, they checkmate themselves by constantly trying to rationalize the abuser's completely irrational behavior. For example, you probably didn't consider yourself to be a jealous person before you met the psychopath. You might have even taken pride in being remarkably relaxed and open-minded. The psychopath recognizes this and seeks to exploit it. During the grooming phase, they draw you in by flattering you about those traits. They just can't believe how perfect you are. The two of you never fight. There's never any drama. You're so easygoing compared to their crazy evil ex. Now, we see this happen a lot of times in relationships. Now, what I want to tell you is just the other day I was talking to a client and they'd gone through the same exact thing. Where this person had started off early on starting to groom and starting to show, hey, like you don't show up this way, which is really cool. 
Like, I love how you're not very needy. I love how you're not very clingy. Showing that like, hey, once you start being needy, once you start being clingy, then you start looking like my exes. Then you start looking like someone that I don't want in my life. So the narcissist was slowly training this other person of like, hey, you need to fit in this mold by praising the thing that they didn't want. It's a very unique way to be able to do it, but it is a grooming technique to try to make you comply and make you act a certain way. But behind the scenes, something else is going on. Psychopaths become bored very easily, and the idealization is only fun until they have you hooked. Once that happens, these strengths of yours become vulnerabilities that they use against you. They begin to inject as much drama into the relationship as they possibly can, throwing you into impossible situations and then judging you for reacting to them. Most people would agree that jealousy is toxic in a relationship, but there's a huge difference between true jealousy and the psychopath's manufactured jealousy. Take a look at the following two exaggerated conversations. Case number one. Hey, my old high, uh, the boyfriend says, hey, my old high school friend is coming into town if you'd like to meet her. The girlfriend, no. Why do you need other female friends? You have me. In this case, the girlfriend truly seems to have some jealousy issues that need to be addressed. Assuming the boyfriend hasn't abused her in the past, this is an inappropriate display of jealousy. Now, case number two. Though these are exaggerated, remember. Boyfriend says, my ex is coming into town. You know, the crazy abusive one who's still completely obsessed with me. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Boyfriend says, we're probably going to meet up later for drinks. She always hits on me when she drinks. I'm confused. Could we talk about this in person? What, you have a problem with it? Nope, the girlfriend replies, no problem. I guess I was just a little confused since you said she abused you, but I hope things go well. It's nice when exes are able to be friends. The boyfriend says, wow, you're so jealous sometimes. Girlfriend says, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be jealous. I was just confused at first. Boyfriend said, your jealousy is ruining our relationship and creating so much unnecessary drama. Girlfriend says, I'm sorry, we don't have to talk about it in person. I really didn't mean to come across that way. Boyfriend says, it's fine. I forgive you. We'll just have to work through your jealousy issues. Now, what I want you to be able to hear just from the example is, in this case, it did three things. One, he put his girlfriend in an impossible situation that would make any human being jealous, especially if you're talking about how much his ex loves him. Did you kind of catch that? Number two, accused her of being jealous, even though she tried to respond reasonably. And number three, played good cop by offering to forgive her for a problem that he created in the first place. This places him in the favorite role of teacher versus student. Like we see this more and more in relationships where the person is slowly teaching and grooming and manufacturing the response of another person. This puts the narcissist in power and control. Like sometimes I would do this like pitting people against each other in triangulation. But like using it to be like, whoa, like I'm going to pull back. And they'd be like, what did I do? And like going back and forth, like so many different tactics that I would use to try to manufacture the emotions that I would get from other people. Really toxic. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying that has been a part of my past. What you need to understand is that a lot of times a narcissist will do whatever it takes to try to get you on the defensive, to get you on the opposite side so that you're trying to come back to them. So that you're trying to beg for them. That you're trying to apologize to them for something that they created. Now, this helps the narcissist feel in power and control over you, but also helps them feel like they didn't do anything wrong. Uh, it just puts them in a place where you're always the one apologizing, and then they're like, why would I need to apologize? Like, you keep hurting me. Always like the victim, like playing like the drama role, all those kind of things. So another piece I want to talk about here, this is the serial provoker. This kind of touches in a little bit into um, reactive abuse. 
Serial provokers are experts at seeking out flexible, easygoing people. They exploit this quality by constantly provoking their target with covert jabs, minimization, and veiled humor and patronizing. The targets will attempt to avoid conflict by remaining pleasant, choosing to forgive, and excuse his behavior in favor of maintaining harmony. But the serial provoker will continue to aggravate the target until they finally snap. This is where a lot of times you see reactive abuse, when you respond in such a negative way that it looks abusive because no one else sees like those small jabs for the entirety of the time before you snapped. Once this occurs, the provoker will sit back, feign surprise, and marvel at how passive-aggressive, angry, and volatile the target is. The target will immediately feel bad, apologize, and absorb the blame. They're essentially shamed for rightfully losing their patience and behaving that way. The serial provoker behaves every single day. The difference is the target feels remorse. The serial provoker does not. Did you catch that? Like that's one of the differences. That's why reactive abuse is a thing that people start feeling bad by how they react to a situation that they were put in by a toxic abuser that manufactured that situation already. It's because they feel remorse about it. The narcissist doesn't. They're just like, so what? I got you to react. I got you to do what I wanted you to do. I don't feel bad about that. The narcissist will sit back and watch you rage out after they made you rage out. The difference is the targets feel remorse. The serial provoker does not. The target is expected to remain calm and peaceful no matter what, while the serial provoker feels entitled to do whatever they please. How did you see this in your relationship? How does this match up to the experience that you had? There'd be times where you would get frustrated, where you would blow up, get frustrated because this other person is giving you the silent treatment or because the other person keeps doing the same thing or keeps hurting you over and over and over again. And then when you blow up, it comes back on you and you find yourself apologizing for getting frustrated that you got cheated on. You find yourself apologizing and taking the blame for how you responded while the other person raged. Like there's so many back and forth. Like when you think about this, easy way to like, let's sum it up this way. Like, have you been apologizing for stuff that you didn't cause? Have you been apologizing for things that you didn't do? For things that you didn't start? If that's you, leave a comment down below and reach out for help. Because I need you to understand, like, if you've been at this place where you've been reacting to stuff that's not yours, like you've been responding to stuff that like is not under your control, but has been pushed upon you, manufactured from the other person. If you've been responding these different ways and starting to apologize and take the blame, but when you sit back, you're like, wait a second, I didn't even start that. I didn't even cause that. Then you might be dealing with a narcissist. It'd be a good time to have us start looking at the trauma bond, help you break free, not just from that person, but from mentally and emotionally, the toxicity that's actually going on inside that relationship. If you want to talk to me one-on-one, you can reach out. You can go to rawmotivations.com, click on the one-on-ones. We'd love to give you answers to your questions, help you find closure, and help you move forward in your healing process. We take people through a healing journey that morphs into a growth mindset that helps you maximize who you are on a given day. If you haven't already, like and subscribe for more narcissistic content, understanding more about it and how to heal from the abuse that you've suffered.